Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dexter's Lab. Anna Meyer and Jay Paris of BeHerd.World believe everyone is innately creative. It's just a matter of learning where and how to apply one's creativity. In this episode, Anna, Jay, and I discuss their work in bringing together dancers and artists from across genres and mediums to spark conversations about race and social justice, how expression and creativity is important for mental and physical health, and much more. My name is Jay Cottle, and this is Anna and Jay's Lab. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dexter's Lab. Today, it's Anna's Lab. I'm here with Anna Meyer, and we are going to ask her all about her creative process and the work that she's doing for the Lab Arts Boston program and the work that she does in her life. So, Anna, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Yeah, well, so uh, my name is Anna Meyer, and this is my husband, but also my co-director of Beaver.World. And BeHer.World is an umbrella for the performing arts and film to give voice to communities and individuals that should be seen and heard. And uh, I mean, I'll like Jay speak for himself, but I, you know, I was a ballet dancer and many years that I got smart and I started doing contemporary dance, thank God. And then um, I, I've, since I've been very young, uh, I had two passions in my life, and one of them was dance, and the other was social justice. Mm. And uh, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and uh, the racial issues that were going on and still going on were, I thought, very painful. And, uh, you know, Cambridge Ridge and Latin closed down, my high school closed down for three months for racial riots. Mm. Uh, you know, this stuff was everywhere. Um, so, uh, in 2007, I started wanting to give voice to artists that, uh, poets, spoken word artists, and uh, mixing it with dance. And uh, then I met Jay, who was doing work with cops and kids, putting them together in the same room mm -hmm. and working in Franklin Field housing development. And he wanted to do art and we fell in love and we started uh, collaborating on putting these productions onto basketball courts with orchestras and making them into theaters and housing developments to bring art to different neighborhoods. And we have kind of an incredible group of artists that uh, I am so blessed to have. Um, we have uh, hip hop dancers, modern dancers and spoken word and rap artists. And we've been uh, working on racism for the past five years. We created a piece called Invisible Inference of Racism that we toured up the Great Migration Trail from Jackson, Mississippi to Chicago to have talkbacks about racism. Uh, we've done it in Baltimore, New York, and a lot in Boston. And we were continuing to do this work in Boston to try to change the, uh, the stuff that we somehow are in the middle of with racism and a divided city. And uh, anyway, um, Jay actually does the film part of it, if you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, just, just briefly. I know this is really Anna's uh, Well, it's not really. Deal, it's but, the same deal. Yeah, yeah. but um, what the, the part Anna didn't mention is that my background is in writing and photography. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'd been in the magazine world for years and then really wanted to just get out of that for a while. And so I got more into the, um, you know, into... Into, into public service work and, and uh, social justice and 
we share that passion. Um, so, uh, but I evolved into becoming a filmmaker, documentary film, and uh, particularly interested in social justice issues. So um, when we created BeHeard.World, we really had these two divisions. You know, we, we did live stage performance, uh, but also uh, make films. And often they crisscross, not always, but often. And um, so- Up the Great Migration Trail. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we took uh, fil film shooters yeah. up the uh, in that tour, and Jay interviewed people from uh, in each city from the civil rights movement who are now you know getting old, yeah. and uh, and also people who just migrated, um, and what that was like for them. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I thought I should interview that. Yeah, yeah, so so the films we made are really like that. We followed these amazing Boston performers as they discovered their own racial history really for the first time in some ways because a lot of what they'd learned in the Boston Public Schools about America's racial history was was not very uh, thorough. <laughs> thorough to say the least. So it was a it was a powerful experience for all of us, especially for them. And then and then they were performing a piece about racism every night mm -hmm. in the Deep South, in the Midwest, all the way up to Chicago. So it was a very powerful experience for them and, and that's part of what the film is about as well as interviewing these civil rights leaders whose, whose uh, stories really haven't been particularly told and uh, and so that's a document full-length documentary that we're in the process of editing now wow. um, it's one of several films that we've we've been working on and so. uh, another project that before i get to the boston foundation project we did this summer during covid uh was we decided to take uh the 12 artists and with masks on, on uh, Bromley Heath basketball court and filmed uh, a piece called Together Six Feet Apart. Hmm. And um, it's, it's with spoken word and dance and it was really created. We filmed it in two days cellist, and yeah. it was at a cellist and it was really hmm. created to, uh, uh, to make a short film that could go online to museums or, or corporations or schools during COVID or beyond to have facilitated discussions afterwards online. Uh, so we actually just actually finished, it was just finished recently. Uh, and then uh, for the Boston Foundation, uh, Jay and I worked on a piece with the company. We all collaborate together. And uh, this piece was called Watermark. And it was created to, as a sort of sister piece to Invisible Imprints of Racism to show what happens when you, the beauty of mixing cultures, different art forms together, what happens. And so we mix Bach with rap and spoken word and, and also, uh, you know, this musician, uh, composer, uh, uh, he, he like transformed some of the Bach into his own music. Uh, so the piece- uh, Some of the singers. Yeah. And, and sing, eight, eight, sing, eight singers. Okay. Uh, and the piece I think was, uh, you know, when we do these performances in the general public, we usually have dinner. We, have, we serve food. Food brings people, it makes people relax, it makes people talk together. And, um, and we did this and it was success, very successful. And we had gotten a grant from the Boston Foundation to do this. However, we felt like the piece, I mean, literally the night before we performed it, we were actually had been 
actually put the whole thing together in a room. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, and it worked. Uh, but I, then we didn't really get a chance to sit back and look at it and go, you know, what's missing here? Mm -hmm. And so we wrote this grant to sort of refurbish this piece. And, but also, and so that's really great because it's really shifting. It's mm -hmm. like, I don't know. So that's why I was interested about voice. But, but the other thing is, is this would be a part of where we, COVID has potentially ruined this for 2021, but uh, we'll see. But we started a, a Jay and I planned with the company an initiative against racism to uh, we'd make a map of all the events that would happen around the city. But it started with a parade that came from Chinatown to to uh, Nubian Square, and uh, we would perform uh, ar also around the whole city, uh, invisible and watermark. Um, I think what eight different performances, mm -hmm. and and also this was sort of a collaborative between the Museum of Fine Arts and Oliver Burns now runs the Nubian Gallery uh, in Nubian Square, and so there would be sort of some cross pollination. He's a, he's, a He's a dancer with the company, and we wanted to start also this thing with sending out um, a thousand postcards that people could write back anonymously saying how they felt about what they felt about racism mm -hmm. and then those postcards would be blown up and decorated laminated and uh hung at a, in, a, in the gallery and uh then we would invite people to come to the opening and we would perform invisible and prints of racism and have talkbacks and this would be over like a two-month period did we have other things that we were doing there's some other things that some film showings yeah. uh, and oh yeah so we were going to do film showings of uh, together six feet apart, but also our tour of the Great Migration Trail. So this would happen in different venues around the city. You know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, this was planned for spring of 2021, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, well, I'm not worried because I feel like I'm already inspired by all the creativity I'm sensing, right, between this interdisciplinary work, um, this focus on weaving social justice and community and all of this into the arts. And so I feel like if anyone can pivot and find a way to make it work, everything I'm hearing tells me that you all can. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely getting, I, I want to ask you, like, what is creativity to you? Just as a concept. Is that okay? I mean, like, where did it come from? Sure. Uh, you know, that's a really interesting question. Uh, you know, I... I only started choreographing. I started choreographing when I was 35, 36. I had my stepson uh, was murdered in New Haven at the age of 25. And he was a uh, very handsome young black man. And uh, it really rattled my life in a big way. And I said, this is just crazy. I should be making my own work and choreographing. For some reason, it just opened up, a, it changed my life and it opened up a whole language for me uh to start expressing myself and um a lot of my work i think i had uh i i grew up in a, a you know i think a very privileged home uh you know upper middle class in cambridge um but it was a, not a great upbringing it was a pretty rough rough childhood and i uh i feel like a lot of my work comes from 
uh, some place of empathy and understanding of deprivation and uh, sorry, this is hard to talk about. <clears throat> and, you know, one of the things that happened to me when I started choreographing was it was my voice. And it's, I, I don't have much, I haven't had much of a voice growing up. So it was a way for me to express with, uh, and, and even express to people in my family without uh, words. And uh, I have some, like Jay always says that I have some way of, uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how I do this, but um, I always have some way of getting under people's skin uh, mm. through my choreography. And I, 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 the one thing that I do know, and I, for years, I, because I never choreographed before, I never had a, a process really. So I thought mm. like, I don't know if this is good or bad or, yeah. and then after some years, I sort of started to realize that when I was in the studio and I felt like something was not quite right uh, or I didn't buy it or I didn't believe it or it did, I just knew instinctually. Just mm -hmm. something about, you know, and I just have to move something in a certain way. Mm -hmm. I, I have this ability to make people cry or to mm -hmm. go to their heart. And uh, I, I've, as a little kid, it was something that I, you know, I was always the feeling one in the family and it was something that I always wanted to make, to move people hmm. and make people feel. And somehow I did become quite good at that. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it, uh, it's come, my work comes from a very heartfelt place. Hmm. Uh, and I, and I also believe that, uh, art, uh, is a way to move people and then it relaxes people to start having conversations. So anyway, do you want to talk a little bit about? Well, just briefly, I would just say that um, I, I think creativity is um, just absolutely innate to people. I think that uh, it's, it's, you know, in its broadest sense, I think if, uh, if people don't get to express themselves, I think they get sick. I really do. I think that we get, you know, jammed up yeah. and, and uh, emotionally and physically uh, ill and um, so you know I I think that it's um, I think as people learn how to find avenues to express themselves you know creatively um, it, it's just so healthy it's so healthy for for them it's so healthy for our culture uh, and especially when people come from you know very different places street dancers versus ballet dancers or you know um, or any of that, you know, saying obviously music, you know, even a broader swath. But um, I remember teaching uh, 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 writing in a, in a reform school early on in my life. And, um, you know, these were kids who were all told they couldn't write, they were no good at it. And it was amazing after a few months, just the, the, the most remarkable, beautiful stuff coming out of these kids, you know, that were, um, you know, and once they, they understood that they actually, not only could find a way to say it, but you know that it that it was appreciated. Um, it it literally was transformative. I mean, and you know, we made a movie about a bunch of kids from the Lennox housing development a couple of years ago. First movie I made um, followed 19 kids through a, a very intensive seven-week arts program 
that we uh, do. That actually the company ran and oversaw it. And we had company members mentoring the kids. So it was hip hop and, and spoken word and music, singing. And, and uh, you know, these were not kids who were gonna become great artists. But what happened to them, there were, actually there were research, there were uh, 39 um, serious school infractions among those 19 kids the year before. The next year, zero, literally not one. Every, and every kid got engaged and just a different level of confidence, a different way of seeing themselves in the world. So to me, that's, that's the ultimate power of creativity. And if we're lucky enough, like the three of us are, to find an outlet, you know, um, then, you know, you know, eventually you get, so you really can't live without being, you know, putting your work out there somehow, you just find a way because you feel so stuffed if you don't. Yeah. You know, you know it, it actually was pretty interesting, uh, you know, watching these kids, you know, like two weeks before they were like saying, no way, man, we are not performing. It was, it was rugged. <laughs> and we got, Finally, they performed, and afterwards they said, "Wow, when can we do that again?" You know, because it's that adrenaline, you know. Oh, mm -hmm. And so they did five performances, and the company would perform with before them and with them. Well, they had a good audience. So they yeah. had a good audience, and then we would have talkbacks afterwards, and they were like that. They were taking the microphone and talking back, and some of these kids have gone to college. We just actually uh, last year. WBR City Space had us come and show the film and talk and a number of these kids got up with us they showed up and uh, talked about what happened in their life from it and she's one of the kids said I would not be here today talking in front of you people if I hadn't done that so you know just having a voice just being heard is so unbelievably valuable and that's, and that's really why we called our organization BeHeard.World because mm. it really is that important so I have two more questions, and uh, you both spoke to this a little bit. So do you think that creativity, Jason, that it's innate, but do you think it's part of human nature? Or does it need to be nurtured and learned? Yes. Oh, I think, uh, I think it's what we should be doing in schools. I think, I think we're doing completely the wrong thing in schools. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, and and whatever, whatever creativity that is, I mean, it could be fixing cars. I, you know, I, it, you know, it's, it, it's, oh, you know, what are, what are kids interested in? And, you know, they're telling us they're obviously not interested in what we're teaching them. You know, they want to lead the way, especially as teenagers. So I think we should nurture those interests and the creativity and, uh, you know, whatever place that takes you. I mean, some kids are creative in grammar school and end up being something completely different, but uh, it, it, it somehow changes your life. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, or, you know, I remember in, um, I mean, I was always a dancer so that I had that, uh, but in eighth grade, we had, a, I had an art teacher actually, who was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be a painter, but going in there was like, fabulous you know it was so great to be able to go into a room and be taught by a teacher that was he was a he was a hippie and uh he was you know he was the coolest and uh, it was just like I could I could I had a really good male figure mm -hmm. 
taught me how to be creative. And he used to go to the a whole bunch of us used to go and lie to the dump with him and pick out things in the dump in Cambridge to make art out of. <laughs> that wouldn't be happening anymore, probably. But <laughs> uh, you know, I was lucky to have him, and and it was just about creativity. Everybody loved the class. You know, it's freedom. Way. I just add that um, I think I really do think creativity is um, it's in everybody. I really do. I think there is a, a line though between being creative and being an artist. Mm. I think I think if you want to become an artist, then then you do need to be nurtured in a very specific <laughs> way, and I think encouraged and and develop skill sets and put in those whatever ten thousand hours you know to become a master uh, of your craft um, and that, you know, and, but, but, you know, if you think of creativity as applying to, um, you know, anything that you really want to do that requires you to express yourself in your own special, unique way, um, I think that's just who people are really what they're for. So, this is a follow-up, so I lied. This is still two more questions then. So follow-up to this question is, you know, I also work with a lot of young people and you hear, I'm not creative, or I don't know how to do that. Or you meet older folks who say, oh, I'm not creative. Like, what do you see in those people? How do you develop creativity? Is it something that can be developed? I, I think so. I think really it, it, it can. And um, we've actually been in seminars with adults, you know, mm-hmm. um, who say that, you know, they're asked the same thing. Are you, are you creative? And they, they're actually, we work with a guy at Emerson college who teaches creativity and he, and you know, seven out of 10 people say, Oh, I'm not creative, you know, Mm -hmm. but then by the time he takes people through these exercises, it's like down to, you know, one out of 10 still says they're not creative. So I think, I think um, we tend to repress creativity and people Mm -hmm. start, defining it as it's you know you've got to be some kind of specialist yeah you know a picasso where you think you're on your way to becoming a you know a great a great artist but i just i just think it's i think it's an unfortunate thing that we define it so narrowly yeah i think that's true and i i also think that uh you know creativity is a voice uh and uh you know if people however they however they use it or i mean like some of those kids we worked with with Atlantic Street, there was a couple of kids who did the dance section. That was the hardest to get kids to do. And uh, they ended up like, you know, whatever they created, out, they ended up doing it. And uh, not, you know, not making fools out of themselves, which they thought they would, mm-hmm. and taking it, actually taking it seriously. So it took them, it was, it was, I have to say it was a long seven weeks to get them there, but it was like rugged. But uh, they, you know, I think that, I think that push to, to that, them being brave enough to take that step, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's just this little one, even if it's not a big deal, it just, that is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, that step, you know. And, and I bet you those kids, most of those kids would have said, I'm not creative at the beginning. Yeah. But at the end, I think every one of them did. Yeah. It's really amazing that, just that experience. And it wasn't easy, you know, but I think it was the act of doing it, just really doing it and then putting it out in the world and getting some feedback, you know, recognition that 
wow, you really said something in an interesting way. You know, you used poetry or you used rap or you used, uh, or you sang or, you know, uh, and um, that's all it took. And then mm -hmm. they were, you know, it was a whole different self-concept, different sense of identity. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, so my last question for real this time, and it's what we kind of talked about earlier. So I know that for artists as individuals, the creative process can be difficult. It can be enriching at the same time, but bringing other folks into it. So this collaborative thing, how does it work? How does kind of navigating with so many different creative disciplines and people, how does that come together for you all? Since it's such a core piece of what you do and how you do it. Yeah, so um, you know, that's uh, been really interesting, actually. Like when I first started to have to choreograph with hip hop dancers and modern dancers, like I didn't know what I was doing. And I, you know, I, I, I kept trying in different ways and it was like something wasn't moving. And I was just like, what am I, what am I, what am I, what am I missing here? And then I just, I don't know how it happened, but over a period of time, it just started kind of like, and also how I work with the dancers, modern dancers as well, just sort of is morphed into this thing where we know how to, we know how to move with each other. We know how to communicate with each other. Uh, I usually like, you know, I'll give a phrase to everybody, a dance phrase and tell them to morph it. Uh, the hip hop dancers will make it into hip hop. Mm. Uh, and then I'll start them moving side by side and seeing where they connect and disconnect and unconnect. And, uh, you know, doing, uh, invisible imprints of racism um there's no there's no really i mean there is a storyline but it, it's not really a storyline there are sections and uh there's a whole section about uh well i i took actually there are two people in this piece that i specifically used there's a white really 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 white dancer and she's uh very ballet and she's been with me for a very long time and then there's Oliver, who's this fantastic hip hop dancer. And I, I wanted to connect them in a way that was, that she was uh, the mistress of a slave owner's house and he was the slave. Mm -hmm. And so they end up in these duets all the way through the piece and how they interact. So there was something that I could play with, uh, how they connected, but, um, you know, I, I really, uh, the, the beauty of having such different art forms and, and different people, uh, it's just like, it's given me, it feels like I have a million different colors to paint with. Mm. And I, I've so gotten used to, you know, I guess also it's giving the, particularly the hip hop dancers freedom to like I created a duet at the end of uh, Invincible Infants of Racism and I knew exactly what I wanted and I really I made the whole thing but I because uh, sometimes some of the piece subsections are more collaborative than others but this was I just gave the modern dancer this movement that I wanted her to do all the way through and I wanted him and her to follow each other but you know one of the dancers name was McPherson and he has this incredibly beautiful way of standing in one place and moving however he moves that is so beautiful and it's 
uh, I said, I want you to do your shit. I want you to get your shit out. Mm. It's a little like crumping, but it's mm. not real. It's his own crumping. And uh, I said, I want your heart to bleed. And he just could just stay in this one place and do this. Mm. So, and this happened a number of times throughout the, the duet. And so I use their, what they're really beautiful at and don't try to put them in a box and see what comes out of it. And, uh, but, but also I, I have to say that earlier on, starting to do this work together was quite difficult. Right now, we seem to have a group that's been really solid and also been on tour together uh, it's very bonded mm. and, and everybody's right there. Everybody's showing up, uh, for a long time. That was very complicated. We had too, too many artists, I think. Mm. And some people not showing up, some people showing up late. Some people, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, there was a lot, there's a lot of work to get where we are to have a really cohesive group, mm. um, I don't know. Have I? No, I think, you know, I think you said it. And just to summarize it on that, I think. Um, the spoken word, by the way, helped. I mean, you know, sometimes work is created out of the spoken word, yeah. laid over. So it all, you know. Well, I was just thinking of the, you know, there's this kind of a tacit agreement, I think, in the organization that, um, uh, you know, we have different roles, but everyone is is equal, in, in the, mm. you know, and valued equally as an artist. Uh, Very much and so. That, and that collaboration is, a, you know, really, really like a high, high, high value. Essential. You know? and, uh, and, you know, taking credit is less, much less important. And everyone's bought into that, you know, and this is a, this is a group of people from 24 to, you know. 35. 30, 30, 35, majority of them were people of color. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, there's this enormous generosity around mm -hmm. all this stuff from them. I think, you know, on the dance side from Anna. And also the other thing I would say is that, um, and just as Anna said, you know, I mean, she's been told by her hip hop dancer or something, Anna, go down the corner, get a, you know, get a cup of tea. We're gonna work this out. This is a hip hop piece. You know, this is our thing. It's what we do. Mm. You know, there was an like, African section they wanted to yeah, put in yeah. invisible. They said, get out of the studio. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's not, you know, it's like no one gets offended. And, mm. and I, I, I was making a film in Kansas City um, following a group of black kids in a very violent, very, very violent neighborhood mm. and a bunch of white cops. Mm. And, you know, I knew it made no sense for me or someone who looked or had my experience to try and follow those kids around. So I went out and found a really good uh, African-American shooter, you know, mm -hmm. who wasn't a whole lot older than those kids, actually. And part of the group, could, right. could be with them. And, yeah, he's actually part of the Bebo group. But, um, you know, and then, uh, and then someone, you know, like me following the cops around because, you know, like, I'm, you know, I knew how I could put him through. You know, but, it was, but uh, and I think it's recognizing, you know, that. And I learned, you know, I'm a long, uh, a long story person. You know, I'm like I'm. Th I think about long stories and how to tell a longer story. You know, these younger shooters, 
you know, they're coming out of a culture of if you can't say it in a minute, mm. got a problem. And that's, te- you know, that's taught me a lot. And then I've been trying to help them stretch their muscles to be mm. longer, longer form, yeah, longer form storytelling. And uh, a lot of collaboration around that. And, you know, they'll bring energy fast, fast, fast to the screen. You know, I grew up in the National Geographic era, you know, you start with a long, quiet shot. And then <laughs> you know, it's like, they're like, get it now, get it now, you know, like, boom, and, and they're right. I mean, it's helped me shape my style and hopefully mm-hmm. I'll help them a little bit. So we do a lot of that kind of thing. And also and there's, approach. there's, you know, Oliver, uh, Treadstream, um, he's, their group has really been helpful to us. And, you know, we're sort of like, he, he's on our board, but, you know, he gives us his space at the Newbie Gallery for our board meetings. And mm-hmm. we also help him write grants and, you know, so there's a lot of cross-pollination going yeah, on, yeah. which is really great. I, 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 you know, we're in our 60s and they're in their 20s. You know, we're yeah. white. They're, you know, it's just a really eclectic group of people. It's, it's really I don't even know actually. how it happened, but it happens, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, I, I'm in a place, I wish I had 30 more years to be, you know, maybe I do. Maybe <laughs> it's really exciting. It's really great. Yeah. I'm loving loving it you know well thank you so much i think this was fascinating is there anything that you want to leave folks with just to synthesize or inspire before we go uh, i mean you know often people ask us when people ask us that you know here we are two older white people uh working on racism and uh one my my one response to that is one i care mm. i don't live like living in a divided city and actually three white people should be teaching white people how to behave. And, uh, you know, I just it's feel like- Making people accountable. Making yeah. people accountable. So, you know, I, it, it, I, some people, sometimes it's a, uh, complicated for, for us being white doing this, people call us on it. And I just feel like, well, you know, Somebody's got to tell other white people how to deal with things, you know. So I don't know, you know. That's just another little side note. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Really. I don't really have much to add except that I do. I do think it's um, so important uh, that the arts get supported because I think it's a wonderful way to level the playing field between people who are have differences, you know, whether they're economic, whether they're racial, whether they're ethnic, you know, um, gender, you know, around art, we can all play. And, uh, and it, you know, and I think if you want to change something, you got to get to people's emotions, you know, logic isn't enough. Art will do that better than anyone. So, so I, I appreciate, you know, the support from the foundations. I think it's so critical and so wonderful, especially coming towards dance, which has been so underfunded, um, mm. multidisciplinary. Mm. Domain is so great either, actually. It's all um, not very good. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. You know, it's, it's hard. hard. But it's really, it's been a while yeah. since politicians have been talking about how important the arts are, you know, and I think it's something we got to get back to. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so, so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate your time and your experience and the work that you do. And I can't wait for people to learn more about it. 
Dexter's Lab is made possible by a partnership between the Boston Foundation and Dunamis. To learn more about the Boston Foundation, visit www.tbf.org. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at BostonFDN and on Facebook at the Boston Foundation. You can follow Dunamis on all platforms at Dunamis Boston. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S Boston or visit us at dunamisboston.org. Until next time, and thanks for listening. Stay creative.